Press C to cancel. Welcome to Tap B to Halt. Wait, wait. If you're looking for Press B Tap. to cancel, you've come on the wrong week. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering what's going B on. Tap B is our internal unofficial name for these uh, podcasts where it's not all four of us, for anybody who is uninformed as yet, which is probably most everybody, because I think this is the second one we've recorded. Yeah, we, we don't have the sexiness of the sexy, uh, velvety, smooth voice of Sick Jake here right now. I was expecting you to say GP. No, that's hot garbage. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. I love you. Don't so, don't get mad at me when you hear this. So I we are it, this week. You have just me, werewolf, and uh, my buddy here, sick, sick pulse, pulse one oh nine. That's me. Ah, already messed it up. <laughs> uh the, we are going to be discussing Resident Evil Seven, which is on the newer side of things, but. Uh, I think Resident Evil still scratches that nostalgia itch for a lot of people, just the original in general. And there might be a lot of people who haven't touched the game, the series, in a long time. And I was one of them. I hadn't played a Resident Evil since about Resident Evil 2. The best one, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I came back and tried Resident Evil 5 because my brother had it. And it was a lot of fun. Not really a standout Resident Evil game. But definitely an amazing, uh, how to put this? Experience. Action arcade style game. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that nailed it for me. And then I came back for Resident Evil 7 because I heard a lot of people swearing by this game, saying that it was just so good and it really went back to the roots of what a Resident Evil game should be. And that's that's what sticks out for me, because I hear a lot of complaints saying, it's not Resident Evil, they don't, they don't even reference it, but it, there's a lot of nods to it, and it's less story-wise, but it's a lot more how the game is presented to you, and that's what I think we can probably get into. I, I guess we'll start diving into the game itself. It really goes back to being the the feeling that the first one had, where you're stuck in this private residence. And you have no idea what's going on. You just know things ain't right. Yeah, there's there's something wrong. You don't like you out. There's all these cues. It's, it's a little bit more gradual than the first one because the first one has that whole cutscene with the helicopter and the dogs chasing you. It, it puts you on edge because you know there's there's something going on. So, but actually, now that I think about it, the demo that came out before the game really kind of set up for that too. It gave you a whole lot of. What the fuck factor, so. <laughs> was there a demo for Resident Evil 7? Yeah, it uh, came out and I think it was like a year or something before the game came out, at least. Something like that. And it was very, very VR-heavy feeling. Like, you could tell that they were trying to push for the VR thing, so. That kind of turned me off from it, hmm. so when it came out, I was like, no, I don't care. But then I saw some of my friends playing it on stream, and I was like, what is this? Resident Evil 7. Are you, are you kidding me? This is nothing like the demo. And I was like, oh. So I, as soon as I played it, I, I just I was like, this is this is for me. This is it. Yeah, I have uh, 
two people that I'm close with that are really into Resident Evil. There's longtime friend of mine. I've known him for over 20 years. He loves the Resident Evil games. And so he swore by Resident Evil 7, but he can't. He's not great with first person games. They often make him feel sick or dizzy. Yeah, fair. So he swore by this game. So right there, that's that's pretty good inclination. Along with my brother, who also swore by the game, but he played it in VR. I didn't know I'm your brother. And second of all, second of all, I didn't play it in VR. But thanks. <laughs> so my brother, he swore by it, too, like. Back when the game came out, both of them were like, hey, this game is awesome. I didn't know you when the game came out. Yeah, this is true. I didn't. Well, I only learned about it like a year ago. So like I actually, yeah, like I I pushed it off completely. So I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was like, no, no, they're just trying to do something different. And like, this is still better than Resident Evil 6. (laughs) But um, that one, I will argue to the teeth that is hot garbage. That's one of the few games that I I love making fun of. So. <laughs> Any fans of Resident Evil Six? I want to say fight me, but no, 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 no. It's all in good fun. <laughs> our condolences. <laughs> yeah, our condolences. I can't speak to anything regarding Resident Evil Six except for uh, that Six looks like a very suggestive Jeffrey the Giraffe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this is true. That's it. I've never seen the game in action whatsoever. I've just heard awful things about it. But uh, we're not here to talk about Six. Oh yeah, we're talking about seven. Okay, let's let's get back. Yeah, that. we're t- we're talking about the, the the surprise return to form. Yeah, that was Resident Evil Seven. So it is it is a little jarring if you're used to the old school Resident Evil games like one through four and Code Veronica things like that. This one puts you in in first person regardless. Like it's not VR specific that it's first person. Yeah, the whole game is very much. Uh, I don't want to call it a first person shooter because it doesn't feel like a first person shooter. No, it's just like first person perspective, but it's still very much survival horror. I mean, it's a first person shooter the same way Alien Isolation is a first person shooter. Yeah, it's first person. You shoot guns sometimes, but for the most part, you're trying not to die. Yeah. And the survival horror element of it, I think, is probably what stands out the most because it's, I think, the truest to form since probably... I, I want to say three, maybe Code Veronica, because they started getting more action. And I, I mean, Resident Evil 4 is probably one of my favorites still. Two is, I haven't even played the remake yet. I'm holding off because I'm just waiting for the price to go down. I'm cheap. Uh, but like four and five became the arcade things, like you said. And as, as, as bad as the story was, the games themselves made up for it. But this is one where the experience, I think, of the game itself... And the story really came back together and made you kind of nervous. You you don't have a surplus of ammo. You don't have the reflexes of, you know, marksmen and stuff like that. So it it gave you a lot more horror elements than, than the last, like, five or six games had. Yeah, you're not some special forces tactical team or anything like that. You are literally some random Joe who got a message from his ex-girlfriend of all people from i don't know they broke up years prior to this i guess i thought they were married i don't know oh i i always assumed it was girlfriend or like fiance who left him or something i don't know i don't think they go into a lot of detail they just tell you they they basically really convey that it was a serious relationship abruptly ended 
Yeah. And that's, that's the key too, right? Like you don't need to hear us talk about it to get that feel. It's just, they establish it and it's done well. You know, you know, you're there to save her. So yeah, it was a relationship that was strong enough to where when he got this, this video message from her saying that she was in danger, but don't come find me. He came to find her. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the story has nothing to do with the other games, basically. And that's what I like about it because, well, on the I, surface, on the surface. Yeah. And, um, I think that's what was cool because the whole raccoon city thing, city gets nuked. Sorry, spoilers. The city gets <laughs> overrun and blown up. People try to cover it up and stuff. That's been like rehashed over and over again since all the games came out. Like then you have like revelations and stuff like that, where they basically do it over again, but a whole different narrative, but it's all the same kind of thing. This one, they felt like it's, it's brought down to a per- more personal level. And I think that's what made it more survival horror for me is because like you said, you're not a special ops guy. You're just a dude looking for his wife or a girlfriend or whatever. And things go bad. <laughs> so, Oh, very bad. It is absolutely ridiculous. So, dude gets there, and in the first 20 minutes of gameplay, you find yourself <laughs> losing a hand? Yeah. Possibly a foot, um, if you if you play your cards wrong. Wrong. <laughs> and uh, also taken hostage by a backwoods swamp family. Yeah, like it's got this kind of tip of the hat to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of thing. Yeah, they all look relatively normal. They're, the way the characters are presented visually does not scream Resident Evil. No, not at all. But mentally, they are very obviously screwed. Oh, yeah. And that's I think that's what makes it so cool is because it's like, this is something they haven't done before. These these guys aren't zombies. Yeah, it makes it extra scary because yeah. they're people. Yeah, and these are just messed up people. <laughs> <laughs> the way they, I want to say the way that they framed it differently, but at the same time, it's kind of the same template, but on a different feel entirely. And at the same time, uh, the same feel like it. It's got so many elements of the original. You have that seclusion. You're not in a. a a city where everybody's turned to zombies. You have, you don't know what's going on. You don't have a clue where you are. You don't know what's coming next. And you're not, and the biggest thing, like I said, I'll keep saying, come back. You're not the superhero. And that's, I think what I like about it so much is the controls. When you run in the game, it feels like a kind of a barely jog, you know, you're not going fast. Yeah. And when you're aiming and stuff, it really makes a big difference. So. I I'd also like to add that you know you've you've mentioned a few times that it's not directly connected to the greater Resident Evil universe and I think that actually is to the game's benefit. Exactly, yeah. It's it's tangentially connected, which means if you're a longtime fan of the franchise, when you come into the game, you have no idea what's going on and that makes it scarier for even veteran Resident Evil players. Yeah. You're lost in the woods again. You don't know what's up. Exactly. You're looking for like the club key in the police department again for the first time. And you're like, when you finally get it, you're like, oh, thank God. And then things go south again, you know? (laughs) Yeah, except most of the bad guys in this game don't die so easily as a zombie getting shot in the head. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
I think that adds to the stress of it because when when there was an actual encounter with an enemy in this game, I dreaded it. And not in the way that oh, yeah. like, I don't want to play this game. I mean, like, I want to keep playing, but oh my God, please don't be another dude around this corner. Oh crap, there's another dude around the corner, you know? <laughs> I mean, you saw me stream this not too long ago because I played this for the first time uh, around Halloween. Yeah. And this game literally got me scared a few times. Now, it, it didn't pull the scare factor that Alien Isolation did for me. And I don't know if that was just the fact that I had been playing scary games all month. And so I was adjusting or if it was the fact that there is a bit more uh, action to this game than Alien had. But Resident Evil 7 still got my heart rate up and scared a number of times. And we're talking like in the 130s. Yeah. And for a guy that's like normally in like 65, I was like, wow. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I find, though, too, with the scares, it was a lot less like a cheap jump scare. Like, Oh, it was not jump scares. It was... there was Oh, there's a plenty of jump scares in there, but at the same time, they're not cheap. Like, you know, let's, let's throw a bang in here where you're not expecting it. It was... You're invested in it enough that you're like, oh, my God, like, that got me good kind of deal. And you're like, oh, Yeah, wow. your immersed tension is building. And then... Oftentimes, when there is a jump scare, you're kind of expecting something to happen, but you're expecting it from somewhere else than it comes from. Right. And that adds to, you know, it it wasn't a cheap jump scare because you know something's about to be bad and loud and mean. But you're you're thinking it's going to come from the left and it comes from above you or off to the right or something like that, where you're like, ah, nothing's that way. Yeah, they have it planned out, so it's like, okay, you know something's coming, but it's not going to be as set in stone as you would be. Like, I played Revelations for the first time, and, like, I only finished it, like, a week ago or something. Like, So I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of the series, but, like, I've been slack with it. And I think mainly it was because of Resident Evil 6, I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we uh, were playing that, and I just remember going through it, and the storyline, it was just so predictable. Didn't like there was nothing scary about it. I didn't get more frights or jump scares or anything like that. Like it's it's an action game, and it shows. But with this one, they definitely focused on the horror aspect, and I think that's finally something that that they lost over the years. And five is probably the one I played the most time. I've sunk so many hours into that game. It's not even funny, but story wise it's not a resident evil game and you, and you get diehard fans that'll say that all the time like it's a great game it's just not a resident evil game you give me another game that plays exactly like it but have a different storyline i will still play the hell out of it but this one it it felt as slow paced at the same time half fast paced like you know like your heart's beating faster but your body's moving slower kind of feel and yeah and that's the thing like People hate tank controls and stuff like that. But, I mean, tank controls are essentially the third-person view of a first-person game. You know, the, your first-person controls are the same as tank controls, essentially. So, yeah. And I think that's what added to the the fear factor in the original games, because you couldn't spin on a dime and shoot something in the face point-blank just as it was about to hit you. Like, you had to time it. You had to be more strategic about what you're doing and i think that's it kind of came through in this too because i mean 
you can obviously do better with the mouse and keyboard than you do with the controller, especially if you're playing on PC. Yeah, and and that's the difference between how you and I played. You played with a controller, I played mouse and keyboard. Yeah, and even then, like I saw you and you were saying like you're having having trouble landing hits and stuff like that. Like the auto aim is not there, and it just adds to the fear. Like, oh crap, am I going to run out of ammo? Uh, so there's so many different layers of fear that that they're playing on, and it's great. And I just think that the way they did it was amazing. Oh, there were so many times in Resident Evil 7 where I started getting shit very stingy with ammunition usage. Ammunition I can use. I can say those words, I swear. <laughs> ammunition usage? Yeah. There we are. <laughs> yeah. I know how to English. You speak good England. Sometimes. <laughs> uh but uh I would I would start relying on the knife and other things and Sometimes it would go my way, sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes I would have to burn through my reserves of ammunition and hope that I'd find more soon or be able to make some. Which was a nice addition to this game, the fact that you can make ammo. Yeah. Not the best ammo, but you can make ammo. <laughs> yeah. Great. You could they touched on that too in Resident Evil 3, you could make your own ammo, like your own shotgun shells and grenades rounds. Oh, did they? Yeah, but well, not not as easy, I shouldn't say. It was more frustrating, I think, because you always have enough to make something, but then you get into a predicament where you need something else and you're like, I shouldn't have made that. I should have used this. I should have saved that. And it's just an extra thing. The people would be like, they don't give you enough. Like, it's just too hard. And I, I don't feel like it was too hard. I felt it was just right. The challenge was there. So when you beat the game, it, it's it's a satisfaction that you don't get in a lot of newer titles. I kind of actually like the crafting system and... To me, when I see the crafting system in Resident Evil, I always go back to, you know, combining herbs in the original Resident Evil right. or Resident Evil 2. And, you know, depending on which herbs you combined determined what the item was, like the healing item type and things like that and its right. strength. And I feel like this game both expanded on that original idea and yet simplified it at the same time. Yeah, I can get behind that. that there's, there's probably fewer items to craft with and as far as item types, but more items they can result in, which means you have to pick and choose what you want your resources to become. Right. So it becomes a bit of a strategy, too. Exactly. And it narrows that thing where you're not super confident. You're like, I, I need to think this through. What's going to benefit me more? So. Yeah, it, it, but it lends itself to different play styles as well. Exactly. Yeah. I never even thought about if that. If you're shoot like a maniac, you probably won't need as much healing items because you're going to spend those resources on making ammo. But if you're a find all the items, take it slow, be safe, you're not really going to make any ammo and you're going to make healing items and item discovery items, things that of that nature. And that's that's how I played. I think I made ammo once. Yeah, I made a lot more healing items than anything else. I think I think now we might start venturing into spoiler territory. So if anybody hasn't played Resident Evil 7 at this point and they want to, be warned this point forward, I think we're going to start talking about actual story points. <laughs> so you you're progressing through the game, you the story is really driven not so much by Umbrella Corporation what kind of stuff they've been up to, what's bad in the world with all the T-virus and that nonsense. We're not given all that jargon at all. Instead, 
you're you're slowly coming to the realization of how this family became the, this maniac mansion, as it were, of swamp people. Like right. you, you start to uncover that they were a normal, happy family. They weren't these weirdos that they are now. Yeah, these they weren't these like cannibalistic horror movie extras. Yeah, and you come to discover that there was this tanker that crashed out in the bayou. And after that tanker crashed is when things start to happen. As someone who's played previous Resident Evils, my brain is like, okay, Umbrella has something to do with this. Not directly, but tangentially. Right. So, you, you know, they start to convey more and more. People, they, they started to change. Fungus is involved. Goo you know. dudes. Goo dudes. Yeah, goo dudes, as I call them. I think they call them the molded yeah. in the game. I like goo dudes, though. It's just fun. They're they're essentially the zombie analogs of the game. Right. Where it's just venom wannabes made of mold. Yeah, that, that sums it up pretty well. They have the symbiote kind of <laughs> feel to them. And uh, yeah, it's just very different. So instead of having big bad monsters be the bosses, uh, it's it's the family. Throughout the game, you fight the family members as the bosses. So, you know, you fight... I, I believe the dad's name is Jack. They don't use his name a lot in the game. They often refer to him as daddy. <laughs> so Jack Baker is one of the bosses. I think he's the first boss. And you end up getting in like uh, a a chainsaw cage match with the guy. Which is more stressful than I expected it to be. Oh, yeah. He, he does not seem to be that imposing when you first see him in, in the beginning of the game. And then, no. then you're like, oh, crap. One hell of a bullet sponge, even <laughs> yeah. with a shotgun. I, I think it took a number of shots. Oh, yeah. And then from there, you move on. You start learning more about the family. I think then is when you encounter Marguerite, the mom. And you know my, my sentiments towards Marguerite. <laughs> yes. F Marguerite. Yeah, it's, it's usually just F followed by Marguerite. She's She's basically now not just... A person when you end when you end up fighting her, she's basically a human cockroach. Yeah, and she's got what I call the vaginest. <laughs> yeah. Or I have two terms for it: it's the vaginest or the nesticles, <laughs> because it's basically a wasp's nest in her crotch. Yeah. She she that boss fight is it messes with you because she disappears into the walls and the attic and down through the floor and tries to sneak up on you constantly it's it's not a you know here's the boss fight it it's a here's the boss don't let her sneak up on you and kill you and fight it yeah <laughs> it's definitely different than the you know the giant thing with a giant eye that tries to eat you or slash at you with a one arm talon you know they oh, yeah. they made it they made it different and i like it and i mean the game still has all the elements necessary to be a resident evil there's exploring looking for keys solving puzzles it's it's got all that and i was super impressed with how it handled it i like how the puzzles aren't like they're not insulting your intelligence like okay they're simple puzzles you know you got to do this you got to do that get this key get that key you have to find it somehow but it's not like spin this match this piece up with of that. artwork around yeah it's spin this piece of artwork around and make the shadow look like a bird or a spider yeah exactly and even then, it's like, make it 
like this weird shape that makes no sense, but you put it in front of this light source and you can you start moving around. You're like, oh, there's the spider. There it is. There it is. Now you got to spin it the right way and get it there. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of uh, traps and stuff around that are like really just like improvised technology kind of thing. Like, you know, you're just taking random parts like a scrapyard. And so you almost step on a tripwire that's, you know, made with like a shotgun and an and you know a bucket of nails or stuff like that you know little things yeah those things like they have a place and there's a reason behind them in the story in in the game itself and they explain it and you're kind of like okay cool so it's not just this out to lunch hey we've got this super computer laboratory down underneath the house of these normal people there's justifications <laughs> for the house first off being as messed up as it is and then the traps being all over the place and then besides that like the monsters and that so it all of it has this kind of basis in reality that they're trying to stick with a bit oh yeah and it's it's also interesting how each of the characters seem to be evil caricatures of the people they used to be right like the son lucas yeah. He 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 was they set the stage as him being like right off the bat you see he's a pain in the ass to his parents. They he annoys them because he's rambunctious. Yeah. <laughs> but they start telling you, they start conveying through the story that he was, you know, one of the top kids in school. He won science awards and things like that growing up. So he you can see like this guy's a smart kid. He was a high achiever. Yeah. And then as you start to deal with him, it's not so much encounters with him. It's obstacle courses and traps and escape rooms. And it was such a cool idea. Yeah. The way the way they've done it, something you, you don't see that often. And I, well, from my experience, I haven't played it in a game similar like that, where you kind of go through the same experience. Like the boss battle with him kind of deal is less fighting a giant monster and more trying to survive this maze that he's this hellish maze that he's put you through. Oh yeah. It's they it was so clever how they handled it. And then you start going further, you end up fighting Jack again because Jack comes back, I guess. He don't know how to hit the road. Jack came back the very next day. Yeah. <laughs> and you end up fighting like this the second time you fight him, okay now it's Resident Evil. Right. Now it's drawing from what you remember from Resident Evil 2. This guy is basically William Birkin 2.0. Yeah. And then by then, <laughs> I think I think everything's established by then so that when that finally comes to you in the game and you get to that point in the game, it's kind of like yes, like this is this is exactly what I needed right now. You know, you want you yeah. want a giant monster battle. At some point, you know, you want an excuse to break to break out the Magnum kind of deal. That that's what it was, you know. But they didn't just lean hard into that either. Like they they brought it up and they make you your blood boil for a bit and then you bring you down. It's a roller coaster ride, and in the best way. Yeah, there's a lot of setting up the chess pieces before they throw that at you, you know. And then after that is what I think you and I have both described as probably the boring part of the game. Oh, the ship. Yeah, the tanker. Where you're actually exploring the tanker where all of this began. You start uncovering the story about the little girl. Yeah. The story I I want Her story is interesting. Yeah, and I want to I want to say like the story is by no means the part that I disliked. It's just 
the the setting of being on the it's tanker. the location yeah like i didn't like leaving that house i i i think it's probably because i just started feeling comfortable in that house <laughs> as crazy as it is because it's familiar and but i mean everything kind of looks familiar on the on the tanker because this ship has got the industrial doors and stuff everything kind of looks similar so i think that kind of took me away from it but also that kind of works in its favor as well because it's easy to get lost you don't know what's coming on uh like going on yeah it's it's easy to get turned around if you're not paying attention you have to check the map a lot and like you said everything looks very samey it's it's not interesting to see new rooms yeah and that's the thing and i'm just i think it was more paranoia of having to find more bosses and stuff because at that point i'm like i'm low on ammo and I really don't want to get screwed right now. <laughs> so, But see, at that point, you're also playing as a character that... Okay, here's <laughs> further spoilers. By this point in the game, you have chosen to either save one of two characters, Zoe or Mia. Mia being the girl that your main character, Ethan, has come to save. Zoe being the daughter from the family. And she's been giving you hints and clues and guidance to help you escape her family's clutches. Right. So you have serum to save one of them, not both. Whichever one you save is who you end up playing through the tanker as. At this point in the game, you don't have a huge connection with either character. So it feels kind of disconnected from the rest of the game in not a good way. Yeah, I can I can get behind that because I think you summed it up perfectly there when you say, you, I mean, you're invested, obviously, because... Mia's the reason you're there and, you know, she's your wife or, you know, your long lost love kind of deal. In the meantime, Zoe's there and she's been helping you out along the whole way through and like, you know, helping you both kind of deal. So it, it, you, you kind of wonder like, should I not save Mia? Should, you know, is, is it better to save Zoe? So it, it's kind of weird because, you know, it's a choice I didn't expect. And although it's not my favorite, I kind of like the fact that it's in there. Oh, yeah. Going through the tanker sort of makes the follow-up section where you come out of the tanker and now you're back on land. You're you're in mines instead. It makes it that much more relieving and still off-putting because you're in territory that feels more familiar because it feels closer to the manor you've been running around the estate you've been running around, I guess, and not so industrial, but at the same time, it's also off-putting because it's another area you're not familiar with. So you're working your way through the mines after all that. You're Ethan again. <laughs> we'll just sort of gloss over how that happens, but you're once again playing as Ethan, which is also familiar territory again. Yeah. So you're your character again. You've got your upgrades. You've got your weaponry, all that. You're now rushing through the game again as who you were through 90% of it already. <laughs> and they start dropping clues and it seems like, okay, is Wesker involved in this? Who's involved in this? Because they start name dropping without name dropping in some of the story points. And so that led me to think Wesker, but I guess it wasn't. I don't even remember if they ended up actually talking about who it was. I think you were getting Wesker and Chris confused. I'm trying to remember now, but it's been over a year. I only played it through once, and then I switched on to another game, but I really want to play it again now. And I may actually go play it again. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that before we did this podcast. Crap. 
Maybe, but that's all right. <laughs> We're doing it live. So after that, you, yeah, you come out of the mines and then you're, I think, back in the house again? Yeah. And there's a character we've not even touched on until this point that I think a lot of players just call Granny. The old woman in the house, you see her sitting here and there humming a little song. You come to find that this old woman is the little girl that you've been chasing throughout some of the game. Named Evelyn, I believe? Yes. So the little girl is also this old woman. Once that becomes completely apparent... What, how do you do that? <laughs> once that becomes completely apparent... Once that becomes completely apparent, then all of a sudden you've got this massive boss fight with this old woman who has become basically a massive killer tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's pretty horrifying. Yeah, it, I I died a few times, I'm not going to lie. I was so kinda... did I. And it's it's not a long boss fight. It's a do-it-right boss fight yeah. for loops. So it's it's maybe three to five minutes for the whole encounter if you win. Right. So it's... <laughs> fortunately, it's not so punishing if you don't win, but you need to be quick on the draw with all your weapons, make sure your aim is good, and you're set. That's one thing that uh, I think that they strayed from the normal thing, because you always kind of have the, hey, take this rocket launcher and blow them up, you know? They've had that. That's a staple of the, all the games, and that's fine. I like Oh, that. yeah. But uh, I found like they kind of strayed from it in the best way, because they said, here, make sure everything counts, <laughs> because we're not going to give it to you like we normally do. And I thought that was, I thought that was cool. It was such a good way to handle it. I mean, you you do have big, mean weapons at this point if you've explored in the right places and made sure to go out of your way and find these big, bad weapons, but it's no rocket launcher. You've got, I want to say it's a grenade launcher? Uh, yeah. Or maybe not even a grenade launcher? Well, yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, but they're like launcher. homemade grenades. Yeah. It's It's not a real grenade launcher. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like explosive gas canisters. Oh, are we talking about the neuro rounds? Yeah, the neuro rounds and the flame rounds, they come out of the same gun. And I do believe it was a weapon that you end up constructing on your own. I can't remember. Or maybe that was just the flamethrower. I think that was the flamethrower. Now now we both need to go play it is basically where you're... (laughs) Yeah, right? So then you end up beating that, the game ends, and, you know, you see... Military choppers come and land. They've, they're emblazoned with the Umbrella Corporation logo. But and Chris different. Redfield comes out. And it's like, wh- yeah, it's a blue Umbrella Corporation <laughs> yeah. logo. But I mean, it ends on that. It's like, what the hell? We're saved by Umbrella? I thought Umbrella was the problem. <laughs> and that's where it leaves you. Like All of a sudden, they just leave you with... Chris Redfield is working for the perceived enemy. What has happened here? But I think I think you missed out on the fact though that they had umbrella and like the BSAA kind of merged. So that's why they had the blue umbrella logo. So I think that's mm. you missed out on that part. So they they kind of did, but I mean, kind of set at home with the DLCs. But they gave you enough to realize, oh, okay, cool. So it wasn't quite umbrella. Yeah, there was. So there was the free DLC which is called Not a Hero, stars Chris Redfield. And it actually follows up on Lucas. Yeah. So the the son, he actually escaped. 
which you don't think about, <laughs> you know, because you're just no, like, you don't. We, we stopped the, the evil grandmother and we're good to go. But it's like, oh yeah, okay. yeah, he he stopped Granny, the source of all the problems. Things should be okay now. But Lucas is still out there. He's still crazy. So you got to go stop him. So it was it was a pretty cool little experience. It felt a little more akin to it was Resident Evil Seven with some Resident Evil Five funk rubbed on it. Right is how I like to describe it because <laughs> it does feel more akin to the action game that was Resident Evil Five. It's not punch the boulder levels of cheese, but <laughs> oh God. can we can we not acknowledge that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's definitely you know. You're an action hero in this, even though you're not a hero, as it mm. were. You are. You're you're Stallone. You're Schwarzenegger. You're going in there, guns blazing, taking out all the things, barely escaping with your life, and solving the problem. Right. So you end up having, you know, a final battle with Lucas, which again is very William Birkin esque from Resident Evil Two. I know I keep leaning on that one, but you got to remember that's the last one I really played. Well, I mean, besides five, that's that's the staple, though, too. You know, the big the dude that was normal and then gets mutated into something that's nothing humanoid anymore with a lot with a bunch. Yeah. of Yeah. So I think that's fair. So he takes that out. And I mean, this picked up right where the game ended. So you get a little bit more closure from that. And then I ended up playing one of the paid DLCs, which was End of Zoe. So I don't know how much of that one you got to see me play while I streamed it. I never got to see much, actually, but continue to work. But End of Zoe, so this one will be heavy on the werewolf here. <laughs> <laughs> end of Zoe took place a couple weeks after the end of the game. You are now playing as Joe Baker, Jack's brother, Zoe's uncle. Okay. And... <laughs> I, I love the setup for this because he's out in the bayou and he comes across Zoe and she's kind of crystallized a little bit, at least partially. Oh, no, like you do, you know. And he's like, what is happening here? And he sees soldiers dealing with her and he takes care of them. He takes them hot. He takes one of them hostage. And I think he kills the other one. And these are armed soldiers from this umbrella troop of people. Wow. <laughs> And he is barehanded. Okay, so we're we're getting back into the the four or five level of uh, they they kind of do. They set the stage <laughs> that he's a badass. You know, the the story starts. There's a swamp guy. Uh, I I kept calling him Swamp Thing. The game refers to him as the Swamp Man. Seems close enough. He ends up chasing Zoe around. So every step of the the path, like every step of Joe's adventure, is hindered by swamp man to some degree so joe he becomes out of his house essentially yeah joe comes out of his house the first thing you see is a molded and they really really drive it home that joe is no one to mess with the first thing he says to the first enemy you find is i can take you fuckers with my bare hands (laughs) (laughs) So it it really is. You're running around swinging rights and lefts at these things and taking them out. See, I I, I want to play it for the entertainment factor, but at the same time, I feel like it's nothing to the it doesn't jive with the rest of the game at all. From what I'm t- from what to you're a degree, me. I will agree. But it was it's it's probably more fun factor and closure for the story than it is actually a Resident Evil Seven experience. If that makes sense. Gotcha. 
<laughs> it's even more so Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 7's clothing. <laughs> okay. But it's not so... Like, the story isn't so over the top. It's the action that's over the top, which I'm okay with still. Yeah. So he's advancing through. He keeps getting hindered by every step of the way. He's trying to find the serum to save Zoe. And he finds where they were working on it. And he finds a note that says they've moved it because the mold is getting closer. And so they have to move the serum to make sure it's not contaminated. Otherwise, it'll make the serum not work. Stuff like that. You keep fighting the Swamp Man. And at one point while he's fighting the Swamp Man, he gets a good look at his eyes. And he realizes the Swamp Man is Jack. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> Daddy is still not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he's chasing Zoe. He wants his daughter. Keep adventuring. You you actually, like, there's a wall that's up around the area, so I'm guessing as a sort of containment for the molded. But you guys escape out of that wall, and the molded have already spread beyond that wall. The wall did no good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And then it's like, Com- to be continued in Resident Evil 8. Yeah, no, no, it's it still goes. Oh, You've, yeah. You chase Jack, because you're trying to save Zoe still. So you end up coming and finally getting a hold of the serum. You end up, uh, you you fight your way through some of the molded again. Um, even like the liquor style walk all on all fours molded that I hate. Yeah, they were, they were tricky. <laughs> and uh, infected gators. Oh, no, that's now you're getting into <laughs> Outbreak 2 territory and that's not good. So those things, the gators will just chomp you and you're dead. That's it. You're done. But as you as you get through this, you end up working your way back to the Baker Mansion. At the Baker Mansion, you end up finding uh, a power glove sort of thing, a hydraulic fist that lets you charge up your punches and hit like a truck. I don't think you heard that. Just in case you didn't hear that noise, that was a face palm on my bird. <laughs> Cheesy action. Yeah. And then you go in and you end up having a fight with Jack. A f- like, you shoot him a few times. It- Actually, no, you don't. You don't have a gun at this point. Your guns have all been lost. So you just have this fist. You're having a fist fight with Jack. Oh, God. So they draw it back to that. So you got to work your way through his health without dying. And that this is actually a harder fight than the last fight with Granny in the standard game, I think. Oh, okay. This was probably the hardest count, hardest encounter in all of the game. And it's cool because he's te- like the whole time you're having this fight, Joe is talking to Jack and he's saying, you were always a pussy. You were always a wimp. You never could stand up to me. Even still, I'll kick your ass, even though you're a monster. Things like that. <laughs> and it, you, so you're getting this backstory between these two brothers where the younger brother, like, it sounds like Jack often tried to one-up his brother and it never worked for him. So it, it's, a, it's a cool little bit of backstory while this fight is going on. And you finally end up killing Jack, we assume for the final time. He injects never. this, Joe injects a serum into Zoe, and then some guys from Umbrella, I think. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I do believe guys from Umbrella come in sort things out and they give me the phone and it's Ethan on the phone. And he said, I said I'd send help. And that's where it ends. Hmm. So I, th- the experience was really cool, but it was not very resident evil seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more fan service maybe. And I don't mean that to be in an insulting way. It's just more like, you know, it's something you can, uh, 
you can just play and enjoy, and it's something you don't want to overanalyze so much. So it's basically Final or Final. It's basically Resident Evil Five. Yeah, it's so. it's a lot like Resident Evil Five, where it's more action and less about the outbreak. That's fair. It's a more personal story between the family members, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, actually. The power glove kind of, oh, but it's you, a you, little you, cheesy, especially <laughs> since as you charge it, it's like charging, partially charged, completely charged, and then you let it go, and it'll like blow up something's head. <laughs> yep, I've got to play this now. So thank you, sir. <laughs> but uh, as cheesy as it is, I recommend it. I just don't recommend it unless it's on sale because yeah. I do believe it's $15 standard and the gameplay was probably about three, three and a half hours. Yeah. I think that's pretty good though. I mean, the game itself is worth playing. And if you were like me and you were a fan of the series in general, but stepped away from it and you haven't tried it, you really should try it because it's just, it's worth it. Oh yeah. If you liked old resident evil, definitely play resident evil seven hands down. That reason alone, I think it's worth it. So I'm, I've never been a big proponent for DLC stuff, but I'm not going to say I don't try it. <laughs> I can't speak to the season pass portions of the DLC because I didn't bother with those. But the end of Zoe was actually a, a substantive addition to the game's overall story regarding the Baker family. And so it's worth playing. Just get it on sale. Yeah. Cool, man. So anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. This has been Tap B to Halt. Working wait, title. Wait, is this not press B to cancel? What do you? What, what is this? Tap B. <laughs> That's what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, folks, you all have a wonderful week. We will hear from you. Well, you will hear from us next week. We hope to hear from in you, our though. entirety. And we do hope to hear from you. Check us out at pressbtocancel.com if you are unaware of the website. Give us a follow on Twitter. And check out our Discord if you'd like to uh, try to chat in real time sometime. Oh, yeah. Anyway, y'all take care. Have a good one. And on behalf of Jake, hot garbage. Special thanks for music go to Arthur the Ancient found on SoundCloud or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressb2cancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Pressb2cancel.